If you're a business leader looking to cut through IT jargon and get straight answers about technology, you're in the right place. We're here to help make tech work for you without talking like a robot. Welcome to Tech Exec, a business leader's guide to technology. Well, we are back for the much anticipated part two of our mini series on server infrastructure. Last time we dove into some key points around different ways that your company can host server infrastructure on-premise with physical or virtual machines, co-location, and cloud. And although we introduced some discussion about cloud, there's really so much more we need our listeners to understand. Cloud seems to be what everyone's talking about these days, and there is a lot to unwrap around it. Hey, Chris, did you know that the cloud actually predates a lot of technology we have today? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, do you happen to know the name of the first person to get data from the cloud? I mean, it's got to be somebody like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, right? Well, the first historically recorded instance was actually the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments. He got them on his tablet from the cloud. Oh boy, so this is how it's going to be today. <laughs> Sorry, it's just that all this cloud talk is a bit over my head. Uh, well, hopefully that's all out of your system now. What are we really talking about today? Well. As a modern business leader, the topic of cloud is going to come up sooner or later. It probably already has. You need to be able to go into a meeting and make informed decisions about where your technology lives. If any of these thoughts have come across your mind, don't go anywhere. Because in this episode, we hope to answer questions like, what cloud options are available? Can we get rid of all the servers in our IT closet? Isn't the cloud more secure and reliable? What do terms like software as a service and infrastructure as a service even mean? And my personal favorite, can we save money by moving to the cloud? Well, to recap from our last episode, we are simply answering the question of where your data lives and how you access it. Cloud means your data resides on someone else's equipment. All right, but if I have you host my QuickBooks on a computer in your basement, Chris... That's not really cloud, is it? Well, sure it is. I'll just call it Chris Cloud, or I might even call it Cloud 2.0, just because I can. The term itself is totally made up and mostly meaningless. That's right. Anything outside of your office can be considered cloud. But it matters what company or vendor is backing that cloud environment. Those vendors are called cloud hosting providers. For the sake of this discussion, they really provide two types of cloud services for small businesses. Yeah, so the first type of these two is called infrastructure as a service, or IaaS. This is the cloud concept we introduced in our last episode when we talked about the different types of server infrastructure. IaaS means that someone else is providing the physical hardware on which you set up and manage your own data and applications. They're basically just leasing you access to use their hardware. So cloud just means someone else's stuff. Yeah, that's right. Infrastructure boils down to just a few types of resources. There's compute. That's your ability to process, change, create, or modify data. Then you have storage. You have to keep that information somewhere. And hopefully it's not in file cabinets anymore. And then you have your bandwidth or your internet capacity. You have to be able to move your data from place to place. 
there's really no magic to cloud computing. At its core, there's still hardware, electricity, and cooling, just like you'd need on-premise. It's often just extremely optimized. And perhaps best of all, it's not in your IT closet next to the water heater anymore. But then, where is it? Well, it's also not literally in the sky. It lives in actual buildings and complexes with real addresses located all over the world. These buildings can be owned and operated by large companies like Microsoft or Amazon, or by smaller companies who provide a more specialized flavor of cloud services. So we often hear terms like public cloud and private cloud. What does that actually mean? So these terms mean different things to different people. And uh, often those can just be other marketing buzzwords thrown around. By most definitions though, Private cloud means that your data is stored independently from other customers on completely separate hardware. Public cloud refers to massive computer systems, which are shared by multiple companies and are divided into tenants. That's right. Sometimes smaller providers might use the term private cloud to distinguish themselves from the larger providers. Really, they're more like boutique public cloud providers, where the concepts remain the same but they may have their own special sauce or way of deploying and organizing their systems. Ultimately, the size of the provider does not determine whether they're public or private. So give me an example, Chris. What does all this look like in real life? Well, let's think about a popular accounting software, QuickBooks. With infrastructure as a service, you would install a copy of QuickBooks accounting software on your server and you'd maintain your own company files and financial data. And then when a new version of QuickBooks comes out, you're gonna purchase that new software upgrade and you're gonna actually perform the upgrade yourself. The cloud hosting provider is just giving you a place to install your server applications, whether it's QuickBooks, Sage, or even Minecraft. Well, where does something like QuickBooks Online fit in then? So this is where you need specific software or services provided to you rather than servers. QuickBooks Online is an example of this second type of cloud offering that we call Software as a Service, or SaaS. SaaS offerings go a step further beyond just managing the hardware for you, and they also deliver direct access to applications themselves. So with QuickBooks Online, you aren't installing software, you're not doing upgrades or buying new versions. You're simply paying a monthly fee to not worry about any of that stuff and just access your accounting software in a web browser. Email is the most common example. Historically, most companies have a server running Exchange or Lotus or something. But today, you don't purchase cloud servers to run an email service. Instead, you just purchase the email service itself, like Microsoft 365 or even Google Apps. Not only are you not responsible for the physical hardware anymore in this case, you're also not responsible for the software, patching, etc. Okay, so that brings us to, I think, one of the most burning questions about the cloud, and that's, how is it going to save me money? Unfortunately, it likely won't. That's right, I said it. You'll never hear this from those big marketing and sales teams out there. But the idea that cloud is cheaper 
is incredibly misleading. Now, software as a service cloud can be very beneficial in terms of cost. The idea of inexpensive cloud really stems from cloud-native applications, not just your traditional infrastructure moved up to the public cloud. Leveraging a common, standardized platform, which needs very little customization, drives down costs and allows for low overhead and high value for those software-as-a-service providers. Things like Microsoft 365, QuickBooks Online, Salesforce, Zoom, etc. These are all types of software-as-a-service options. Infrastructure as a service does not save you money in direct dollars. This model is built around the idea of consumption-based billing, meaning that you pay in arrears for what you actually use, much like your water or electric bill. Your usage, and therefore your bill, will vary from month to month, and it can be a bit hard to predict or understand certain circumstances. Just like the water company can't prevent you from running a faucet 24-7 and running up a huge bill, Cloud computing providers won't stop you from using expensive cloud-hosted computer resources by accident. No matter what way you slice and dice it, though, public cloud infrastructure will come across as expensive to your bottom line. So if that's the case, why would anybody really choose these models? Well, it defers and finances your IT spend to unlock opportunities for your business where you can invest those CapEx dollars somewhere else. It allows you to potentially grow your business faster by not tying up so much of your cash in IT infrastructure. But it absolutely costs more. And for good reason. Do you have large generators, hundreds of internet circuits, and a bouncer standing at the door of your IT closet 24-7, 365? Of course not. But perhaps you need that. Infrastructure as a surface reduces the risk of financial loss associated with environmental factors. Are you storing sensitive financial data such as PII or PHI? Do you store your flammable holiday decorations and stacks of old business cards in your IT closet? Do you reside in an area that has the potential for failure due to theft, weather, etc.? We see business owners value this very highly, particularly on the East and Gulf Coasts if they've experienced hurricanes and other unpredictable situations. The takeaway here is don't get into infrastructure as a service cloud offerings to save money. There are a number of good reasons to go to infrastructure as a service, but cost is not one of them. Software as a service can save you money though. You just have to understand going in what you're gonna give up in terms of control of the security of the environment, as well as, sometimes, how the data is going to be used. It's always in the fine print. So, there are good reasons for moving your business to the cloud, both for software as a service and infrastructure as a service. But, Chris, if I decide one or both of those fit the needs of my business, how do I decide what to do next? Which vendor should I use? Should I just call Microsoft or Amazon and ask them to move me to the cloud? Well, this is a question that comes up all the time, and to a degree it comes down to a matter of trust, preference, and tolerance for risk. I can't say what's going to be right for your business, but let me at least equip you with some of the information. So starting off, large providers like Amazon AWS or Microsoft Azure are going to have capabilities unmatched by smaller providers. They're going to invest billions of dollars in their technology and can 
offer practically unlimited resources in regions all over the world. They can scale immensely, and there's little they can't do. Uh, Have you ever thought about how Netflix delivers all that high-definition video content to millions of subscribers simultaneously all day, every day? Well, neither have I, but now that you are thinking about that, I'll let you in on a little secret. Most of Netflix is backed by infrastructure hosted in Amazon AWS. Something like over 100,000 servers there. No smaller provider is going to come close to that. Well, on the flip side, small cloud providers are usually going to be much easier to interface with. If you have a problem or need assistance, you can usually pick up the phone and call them for help. With large providers, you'll likely need to hire a consultant to help navigate configuration or problems you're having. While you may be able to reach a live human being more easily with a small provider, it doesn't necessarily mean they have better technology, security, or support. It's important that you really trust your cloud provider. It's an unregulated field, so some small providers are amazing, and others may just give you the illusion of having more capabilities or security than their competitors. And another consideration here is data portability. Sometimes you just need to move your applications and data to a different provider. Large public cloud providers make it fairly straightforward to download all your data, and you're pretty much free to do as you wish with it. Small providers, on the other hand, can vary greatly. Some will go to drastic lengths to try to keep you in their cloud environment, such as limiting how quickly you can download your data in bulk, or even forcing you to wait on a hard drive containing your data, which could really cause your operations to be down for multiple days. The takeaway here is, when you enter into an arrangement with a small cloud provider, make sure you discuss how you would retrieve all your data if needed someday and get that commitment in writing. If a cloud provider does not make this simple, it may be reason enough to consider a different option. Know your exit plan. Now, when we start talking about software as a service providers or SaaS providers, the discussion is a little bit different here. Remember, with SaaS, you aren't running your own applications and data. Instead, you are just signing up for some kind of service that you'll typically access through a web browser or a small application on your computer. You know, things like Microsoft 365, QuickBooks Online, Gmail, or Salesforce. And when you're evaluating these SaaS applications, first and foremost, any provider must support multi-factor authentication. This just isn't negotiable in this day and age. 99% of account compromise attempts can be thwarted by multi-factor authentication. Make sure the provider supports it and make sure you enable and actually use it. Data portability is critical. Just like infrastructure providers may try to keep you from moving away from them easily, so can software as a service providers. The whole model relies on getting you to sign up for their system, paying monthly, and then never leaving. If they can make it difficult for you to leave in the future, without disrupting your business operations, they can count on you as a longtime customer, even if you'd prefer to move away someday. Now, with that said, not all providers have hidden agendas. Some make it extremely easy to get all your data out and are so confident in their product alone that they aren't concerned with trying to lock you in. 
Regardless, make sure you understand your options for exporting data if you want to extract it someday in the future. And that also brings to light reputation. How well known and established is this company? There are plenty of software as a service providers that are fly by night and they disappear without notice. You cannot have your critical business processes and data relying on a provider with an uncertain future. Also, they should cost money. As the saying goes, if you aren't paying for the product, then you are the product. Zero dollar software as a service applications often have fine print that allow providers to use and sell your data and or advertise to you. This may be acceptable for personal use, but typically this is not an appropriate model for your business. Review and understand how your data is stored and used and shy away from those options that seem too good to be true. When it comes to SaaS applications for your business, fewer charities. Make sure you are paying for their use. All right, so we've got public cloud, private cloud, SaaS, IaaS. We've unraveled some of the mysteries around all of these cloud services, but at the end of the day, our listeners are honestly probably just hoping to answer one question. Which one do I go with for my business? Well, in many cases, your business may need some of the benefits of IaaS, some of the benefits of SaaS, maybe some of public cloud, and maybe some of private cloud. But guess what? It doesn't have to be a one or the other solution. In fact, many organizations run some on-premise virtual machines, some servers up in Azure infrastructure, and a number of SaaS applications. Running a variety of solutions like this is something we call the hybrid cloud. And solutions providers and IT staff are often the key to unlocking and navigating all of these options. While traditionally these resources would play the role of just building servers, fixing workstations, and unjamming printers, technology experts today are helping organizations put together hybrid cloud environments that make sense for the business needs. All right, Chris, so let's bring it home. What does cloud mean for our businesses? Well, cloud means scalability, redundancy, and access to resources, licensing, and technologies which traditionally have only been available to large enterprises. And it means shifting technology spend to OpEx instead of CapEx, avoiding those huge, costly technology refreshes every five years, and instead maintaining a consistent monthly expense. And what does cloud not mean? Well, First of all, it doesn't mean guaranteed uptime or even freedom from outages or failures. Cloud services still run on hardware. They still require electricity and cooling, and they can still be impacted by adverse conditions no matter how well they are planned for. Cloud does not automatically mean cost savings. And in fact, sometimes the hard dollars you spend may be even more. But remember, you often can't compare cloud services apples to apples with the traditional solutions. And alongside that, cloud does not automatically mean more secure. In fact, security is a whole separate layer that needs to be evaluated regardless of where your data lives. Cloud or not, the security of your data depends on how your systems are configured, not where they are located. And lastly, it does not mean that you no longer need 
good IT staff or an IT partner. If anything, it means you need an even more diverse and skilled team backing your technology than you've ever had before. So find your sweet spot. Every business is different and you have to analyze your options combining business and technical expertise to make smart decisions that are right for you. Remember, technology is a powerful tool and it's your responsibility to use it well. Thanks for listening to Tech Exec, a business leader's guide to technology. Looking for more information about today's topic? Visit techexecpod.com for show notes or to set up a consultation with the Tech Exec Duo. If you've enjoyed our show, please rate and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And as always, we're here to help make technology work for you. See you next time.